We meet today in Isaiah chapter 29. Chapter 29 speaks of Jerusalem, the prophecies of immediate future and reaching on into the kingdom. The prophecies in this chapter are confined to Jerusalem, but they extend from the invasion of Sennacherib through the time when Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the last invader shall have destroyed Jerusalem and finally to the establishment of the kingdom when the Messiah shall come and his feet shall touch the Mount of Olives. Jerusalem, History and Prophecy Woe to Ario, woe to Ario, the city where David dwells, add year to year, let feasts come around. Isaiah 29 verse 1. Obviously, Ario here refers to Jerusalem, either as the hith or altar, or the lion of God. The former seems to fit better in the context. It is necessary to establish the fact that Jerusalem is the city designated under the title of Ario. Ario which means lion-like occurs in 2 Samuel chapter 23 verse 20 which says, Banea was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzil, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. You see, a lion-like man is an Ariel man. Now, the word also carries the meaning of the lion of God. In Ezekiel chapter 43 verse 16, the same word is translated altar, and under certain circumstances could mean the altar of God. Both designations are a fitting title for the city of Jerusalem. It is further identified here as the city where David dwelled. The lion is the insignia of that family. Our Lord is called the lion of the tribe of Judah, according to Revelation chapter 5 verse 5. Likewise, Jerusalem was the place where the temple of God was, and the altar, of course, was there. So this is a remarkable prophecy concerning Jerusalem. The prophecy began to be fulfilled in Isaiah's day and has continued right down to us. If you walk down the streets of Jerusalem, you will see this prophecy being fulfilled and it will continue to be fulfilled. Yet I will distress Ariel. There shall be heaviness and sorrow and it shall be to me as Ariel. Isaiah 29 verse 2. You see, this is judgment upon Jerusalem. There is heaviness in the city of Jerusalem, even today as I speak, part of God's judgment. Next is Isaiah 29, verse 3 to verse 5. I will encamp against you all around. I will lay siege against you with a mound, and I will raise siege works against you. You shall be brought down. You shall speak out of the ground. Your speech shall be law out of the dust. Your voice shall be like a medium's out of the ground. And your speech shall whisper out of the dust. Moreover, the multitude of your foes shall be like fine dust. 
and the multitude of the terrible ones, like chaff that passes away. Yes, it shall be in an instant, suddenly. How true this prophecy continues to be fulfilled even right now. The enemies of Jerusalem are many. This prophecy was given here before Nebuchadnezzar came up to the city of Jerusalem and destroyed it, which marked the beginning of the times of the Gentiles, according to Luke 21, verse 24. The Lord Jesus said that the Gentiles would tread down Jerusalem until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. The Gentiles have marched through Jerusalem's streets, and they still do that today. Jerusalem has been besieged and captured more often than any other city in the world. History shows that almost every time Jerusalem was taken, it was destroyed. That is why it is not quite accurate, actually, for people to say, go to Jerusalem and walk where Jesus walked. You know why? You are not going to walk where Jesus walked, because Jerusalem is much higher today than it was in his day. For example, the pool of Bethesda was about 50 feet down from the level of the ground today. The Lord Jesus walked down there. It is quite evident that Solomon's temple was probably more than one and a half meters beneath where the mosque of Omar stands today. The city has been destroyed many times, and each time it was leveled off and rebuilt on the wreckage. That is what Nehemiah did. Out of the debris and the wreckage, he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Rocks did not have to be hurled in for repair work because there are more rocks over there than they could ever use today. There is no place on the top side of this earth that is as rocky as Jerusalem and the surrounding area. It is a ragged terrain. That is one reason Jerusalem was so difficult even for the enemy to take. But the enemy was determined. Here is Isaiah 29, verse 6 to verse 8. You will be punished by the Lord of hosts with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. The multitude of all nations who fight against Ario, even all who fight against her and her fortress and distress her, shall be a dream of a night vision. It shall even be as when a hungry man dreams, and look, he eats, but he awakes, and his soul is still empty. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and look, he drinks, but he awakes, and indeed he is faint, and his soul still craves. So the multitudes of the nations shall be who fight against Mount Zion. This is very interesting to say, even those who fight against Jerusalem, they will be seeing this thing as if in a dream. But behold, when the reality dawns upon them, they will be still far. Why? Because that place belongs to the Lord. According to Zechariah chapter 14, the final siege of Jerusalem will be the worst of all, but God will intervene at the last moment 
and deliver his people from extermination. All the dreams of the enemies of God to bring in their own kingdom will be frustrated and God will put them down. He will build his own kingdom and establish to himself just as he said that he would. That is the hope we have. That is the consolation we have in the sure promise of our God. Jerusalem, its meaning and its message. Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your hands, namely the seers. Isaiah 29, verse 9 to verse 10. I have said that Isaiah is the prophet of the commonplace, and what he says here fits into our contemporary culture today. Did God actually make these people sleepy? How did he do it? He kept giving Israel light, and as he gave them light, they kept rejecting it. They would not accept the truth that he had given them. They could not even see it, which revealed that they were blind. That is the way God puts people to sleep and the way he reveals that they are blind. Even the prophets and the princes did not anticipate this deliverance from God. They were as blinded to the future as the enemies of God. They were as men who were dead drunk. Today we have people, even they keep on hearing the word of God, they continue to reject it and even to regard it as if it's nothing. What is happening here? They are blind. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. Isaiah 29, verse 11 and verse 12. Now, you see here the attitude of the people, including God's people, before their final deliverance by God, was that, prophecy was too obscure to be understood, that it was a sealed subject about which they could know nothing. This is the present-day attitude of many church leaders and preachers. Some seminary professors and ministers say that the book of Revelation is a sealed book and argue that nobody can understand it. This claim is exactly what the people in Israel in Isaiah's day were saying about prophecy. Other people today will say that they are too busy. They don't have time to study the word of God. Christians offer all kinds of excuses for their own ignorance of the scriptures. This is not a new thing in the history of mankind. People in Isaiah's day offered similar empty excuses. Please note that the word revelation is from the Greek word apocalypse, which means unveiled. God took the seal from the book of Revelation so that it can be understood. Why should people say it is sealed or I am illiterate or I can't read? This 
has been unveiled. In one sense, Revelation is the simplest book in the Bible because it is unveiled. But you must have an understanding of the 65 books that comes before it. It is the last book of the Bible. And certainly it is not the place to begin your reading. If you just go to the book of Revelation without reading the first 65 books, you will not understand it. No book is so organized, and I found it to be the easiest book in the Bible to actually outline. It is nonsense to say that it is symbolic, a sealed book that we are not supposed to understand. That is what they were saying in Isaiah's day. God will judge you for that kind of thinking. Because when he gives light and you will not open your eyes, you become blind to the light. Listen to what God says to Revelation in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Revelation 22 verse 10 says, And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So Revelation is not a sealed book. It's an open book. It is an unveiled book. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths, and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Isaiah 29 verse 13. Now if you had lived in Isaiah's day, you would have wondered what Isaiah really meant with these words. Because these people were going to the temple. How can you say this to people who attend the temple every appointed day of worship. It is the same today. Why should people who go to church, who go to prayer meetings, who do all kinds of things, be condemned? For in Isaiah's day, in the temple, the temple was a crowded place. Anytime a sacrifice was being offered, you would find people there. There was a place for the men, a court for the women, and a court for the Gentiles. Now, why was God finding fault with these people who were so religious? They were all coming to church, but they went through all the rituals with their mouths. That's the point here. It did not mean anything to them. Oh, my friend, there are many people today who go through church and hear the little sermon and keep on doing it when it means nothing to them. For the Israelites, they did not believe what they were saying. They did not accept God's word. God said that their hearts were far from him. That is the reason that he judged them. And that is the reason he is going to judge you and me today. We must hear, believe, and do what the word of God says. The case of the world today is a religion, my friend. God would like you to get rid of religion and come to Christ. Religion is the greatest barrier for many people today. Remember, Christ does not even invite you at all to a religion. He invites you to a relationship, a vital relationship with him. 
Some people claim to be religious by nature, and that may be true, my friend. That is what they need to get rid of, because by nature we are religious, and our nature has been a stumbling block for our relationship with God. We all need to realize that we are sinners who come to Christ and have a personal relationship with him. It is not a religion, but a relationship. Do you have Christ or don't you? The question is, if you have Christ, you got it. If you don't have him, you missed it. And that is the important question here. Woe to those who seek deep to hide in their counsel, far from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us? Isaiah 29 verse 15. You see, things are so serious for God's people that he puts in another woo here. He says, they pretend, they do things in the dark and their claim is no one is seeing us. No one is going to know. They forgot that God was seeing, God was knowing. So this chapter contains two wars here. Because the people acted as if God does not see or know. And that they acted as if they are getting by with it. As if God will not deal with sin. You cannot get by with sin. You will always have to pay. Remember, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Jerusalem, honor and glory. Is it not yet a very little while till Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful fields be esteemed as a forest? Isaiah 29 verse 17. Now we see into the future. The time will come when there will be honor and glory in Jerusalem and in that land. God is not through with that city. Today it looks like a layer cake with one city built on top of the other. God has judged them, and he will judge them again. But Jerusalem will be rebuilt once again, and then it will be the city of God. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Isaiah 29 verse 18. You see, the deaf are going to hear and the blind are going to see. What a prospect. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 29 verse 19. You have heard the old saying that says, No one is so blind as those who will not see. Well, Today, as in Isaiah's day, there is a willful blindness. And in that day, in the millennium, they are all going to see, even those who pretend not to see. Here is Isaiah 29, verse 22 to verse 24. Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name, and hallow the Holy One of Jacob, and fear 
the God of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding, and those who complained will learn doctrine. The word understanding here indicates spiritual discernment, and the allusion to doctrine suggests a willingness to receive the teaching of God's prophets and profit through them. Now, what are they going to do with the name of God? They are going to make it holy. They are going to set it apart as something so wonderful. Today, God's people, by their lives, should sanctify the name of God. It is a holy name. But do we treat it that way? Are you treating the name of God holy? How do you sanctify the name of God and making it holy? By living a holy life. Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.